Welcome to Advanced Fashion Disruption, with co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville, where we discuss the tragic, the predatory, the glory, and the deep beauty of fashion. Hello, you're listening to Advanced Fashion Disruption Podcast. I'm Benson Roberts, and my co-host is Megan Somerville. Um, good morning, Megan. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Actually, just about to start coughing profusely. <laughs> well, you know, at least once an episode, one of us should should choke on our own saliva. That's kind of a thing. Um, I'm really glad I got my little beverage to the side this time instead of trying right, to like, right, right, oh right. my God, I'm going to make it through this. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and when you're doing a podcast, you really do want to try to do it all in one take. Um, it's important. I think it's 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 definitely um, it's definitely uh, has a deeper impact, and it's way more real. Like you know, we've talked about cutting certain things out, and I'm like, you know what? Leave the foolishness. When, when, I, when I'm adultated and confused and don't know what the hell's going on, leave that in there because that's really how life works. Life is not always a polished, edited podcast or television series. And speaking of not polished or edited, mm-hmm. um, when last we spoke uh, last week, I left you spitting spiders about a subject that I brought up. I asked you about uh, a certain know-it-all individual who used to uh, be in Texas, uh, um, putting out incredibly bad press uh, and accusing you of of, of uh, shenanigans because you keep uh, the original copies of all your patterns. And we addressed that just a little bit, why that happens. We, we talked a little bit about the fact that unless you have specifically signed a work for hire, you get everything that I do while you're paying me uh, contract, which is really unusual. Um, you you are the you are the owner of the copyright of the original pattern, and uh, people should not expect that you give them everything, all the iterations, because they're paying for a finished pattern and we give them a copy, but there are other reasons. And I know you wanted to address that as I babble on and on. I'm trying to give you a chance to drink I'm that good water. Now. So I'm thank good. Your okay. <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to expound? I mean, I, I mean, you really were uh, spitting spiders and I thought, wow. I, I was uh, really hesitant to just open that up when I felt like uh, we were at a really good stopping point prior to that. But I think it was important to be like, okay, it's not that I'm not answering you. It's that I really want to be thoughtful about it because I don't know about you, but I... I don't know about me either. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Mornings, especially. (laughs) I I, I haven't known about me all day long, if you want to know the truth. But when I have worked with outside clients, and I can't even count how many I've worked with, but I have um, thousands, nine thousands. filing cabinets full of work right. with other people. Um, and to that end, you know, essentially being slapped on the wrist by a peer in the industry uh, uh, for something uh, that they don't uh, even know about. A uh, uh, peer? Peer would indicate that they were operating at your level. Somebody who thought they were a peer. Go ahead. Somebody who thought that they were a peer. And that it's not a level that they were servicing or knew anything about at that time anyway. And so I felt, I was just kind of like, 
are you kidding me? But personally, over the years, through the hundreds of other people projects, the OPP, uh, <laughs> if uh, you will, uh, <laughs> I don't people. know what you call yeah, them. <laughs> I call well, yeah, I, I call them OPP too, but generally those are other people's problems now. <laughs> well, in the factory days, it was other people's projects, right? <laughs> and there's a myriad of them for a, a myriad of different reasons for people starting up um, whatever um, outreach to a a manufacturing facility that does project development, meaning I'm looking at what you are visualizing in our communication or rudimentary drawings, and I will help you manifest it into a sewn product that um, has pattern pieces, that has first samples, if it is a garment, that it will be graded, and that you will be delivered a first sample if that's something you're choosing to pay for through the services of our facility and your copy of a pattern and the other ones we keep on file because you're going to make adjustments because you're going to send that pattern to somebody else to try to undercut me for a first sample or overseas can i ask you by first sample are you are you describing the first prototype sample or are you describing an actual sales sample ready to be hung uh in a store um generally it's the first sample from that particular project um okay, like okay, so, so like vis visualization but i can tell you a lot of times we would nail it and that would be something that they would try and sell right okay so you're you're first <laughs> wait, wait, you're, you're using the term first sample as what i would say is a prototype mm -hmm. here's the prototype mm -hmm. uh and, and to be differentiated from a sales sample which is when everything has been signed off on Generally, for us, it's that white prototype with their literal signature and date. Uh, we create something again for them out of the, the textile uh, and the uh, accoutrements that they're going to use to actually take it to market. So they get it the way it would be if it was hanging in Nordstrom. I'm just right. throwing the technical in here because, you know, we want to be a little educational. So um, and they do, Megan, they do lose them. Mm. They do lose those patterns. I can't tell you how many people come back. Uh, I I had a guy that picked up all of his patterns, um, and he had ordered like 22 of them. He was doing a whole line. Had the, and and um, I had them all in envelopes, and he had them in a box, a covered box in his car, and decided that he um, was going to pull his convertible down, which uh, apparently <laughs> caused the top of the box to be sucked out. Uh, and and he didn't lose any because you know uh, patterns are pretty heavy, but it rained. <laughs> and all of his patterns were soaked and and he came back with the expectation that I should give him another set of copies for free. Yeah. And I said, well, I can't do that because no. there are man hours, even in just copying your patterns. Because we, you know, we didn't have a plotter at the time. I wasn't just printing them. And even if we had a plotter, we would have had to pay for paper and ink. And electricity, so people and the have person some, queuing that up and, and waiting and the for person, them. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> what do you want to do? I, 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 this individual that we're speaking about, who, who, by the way, um, I know you spent some time training to mm -hmm. make them skillful enough to work for other people. Uh, this individual at a at a very important meeting uh, when we were trying to get the fashion incubator uh, funded uh, and picked up by the city. Um, kept harping on this and i and i finally you know pulled out fashion law and i'm like 
madam, you are talking through your ass and you need to stop. Number one, you're denigrating somebody that, that has done nothing wrong. And number two, you're talking out of your ass. Oh, and, I had no idea that it was even going on because I wasn't invited oh, to that stuff. Uh, well, yeah, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. You did not want to be invited to that stuff. It was, it was, uh, it was a circle jerk for two or three years. But we, we finally sort of spearheaded it. I, I, I wrote uh, uh, um, a paper that basically outlined where Austin's fashion industry was, this many working designers, this many fabric stores, this many manufacturers, this many. And that got turned into by uh, one of the city council people. It got turned into a prop that passed apparently before coffee. It was Prop 113. So we were expecting to hear news about whether or not they were going to pick it up and look into making an incubator. We figured after midnight, because that was generally anything above 100 was going to be late in the evening. And we got the call um, just after 9 o'clock that they unanimously passed it before coffee was done. So you didn't miss anything. There was a lot of, there was a lot of foolishness um, and a lot of ego stroking and a lot of a lot of that kind of thing, that that sniping thing, um, but it, it it it's important to to set that straight. So why why I'm gonna I, I want you to talk to me like I'm uh, a five, and and not a very bright precocious five year old like your children were, but a very dull five year old. I want you to tell me why it's important for a manufacturer, for a pattern maker, for somebody who is uh, developing prototypes and sales samples and possibly even doing production runs. Why is it important that you should have a copy of the pattern or the original pattern? And furthermore, why is it important that you keep every step of that until it's in production? Um, <clears throat> mostly because of lessons learned. And I would say foremost is having a client that came in with an idea, asked for us to create a pattern for them. And they're like, <clears throat> okay, this is great. We'd like to see a first sample. We create a first sample. They pay us for um, up to that portion of the project. <clears throat> then they want some changes made to the pattern and we tell them, Hey, like th this is what the charge is hourly for those changes. Um, and um, I was super green and they're like, Hey, we want to take a look at the pattern and take um, a look at it um, offsite hmm. and, you know, we'll bring it back. And I was super duper naive. And I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. So they took the pattern um, and, um, the Sam, the, um, prototype, um, and, um, left a bunch of stuff unpaid, um, for other projects. And I never heard from them again. And I don't have the pattern. I don't have payment. And so the lesson learned here is that in the contract, I should have been way more clear that what you would be getting would be a copy of the pattern um, after you've signed off on the project. And um, if the prototype is included in all of that pricing, that delivery of a copy and the prototype would be at the same time of sign off of project. And so that's my lesson learned. I, I thought, the individual was true to their word that they were going to be right back. And that's kind of um, 
I, I chalk that one up to, oh my God, I have been um, some version of functioning autistic and um, high functioning autistic and ADHD for a very long time. I was very trusting. Okay. You know? I am glad you said that because I was going to ask you, were you suffering brain damage at that time? Uh, okay, so, you know, uh, <laughs> you and I got to work, work together in, in a factory, <laughs> well, in a sort of factory setting. We sort were of. we were in the process of creating an actual apparel factory. Uh, and, and do you recall the, um, mm -hmm. uh, the woman who was having us create some sort of a top that worked both for her bosom and her fupa? And... The contract that no, they wrote I wasn't for, there for her that did not specify anything about iterations, and uh, this woman was being her own fit model. And so every time she came, her body dysmorphia made her want to make additional changes. I think, I think that they ended up doing twenty-two iterations, and uh, when when we finally uh, got an okay and handed that client off, I sat everyone down and said, "Okay, so here's here's what we do." Um, we never allow a client to be the fit model ever, 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 because most people don't see themselves clearly. Her issue was having a bit of a fupa because she was in her thirties and she had a big rack. We, we nailed it the first time, but because her personal issue was with her fupa, she wanted it to be more camouflaging. That's number one. Number two, we give them up to two fit iterations in the cost that we are we are um, uh, estimating. Two fit iterations. In other words, uh, we mm -hmm. we didn't pay mm -hmm. attention and we decided that we uh, or, or the shoulder seams were too wide. And, and even like once you saw it on your fit model, you decided the shoulder seams were too wide. I'm okay with fit iterations. And then number three, if, if they if they decide that they no longer want a mock turtleneck, but they want a V-neck or they want a plaque put in and they want to turn into sort of a, uh, a hemi, uh, arbitrary iterations go back to an hourly scale of $75 an hour for pattern making work and, and for cutting patterns. So um, learning is, you know, and I, I knew better. I, I, I just assumed that when they were negotiating with this particular client that they knew better. So it's not unusual not to know better, but you, you have to be very specific. Well, in every other industry, even when there are contracts in place, this type of thing is called an outside of contract request. And so <clears throat> you either make a new contract for those changes or there's a provision that you add to your existing one to say, like, hey, I know if I ask for these things and it is outside of this, yes, it's at this absolutely. hourly rate. And what a lot of people don't understand is like, oh, well, you know how to do this. Just do it. It's very well, condescending. You know, they, they, they have <laughs> like, a, a they. And when I say they, I am talking about society in general and a patriarchal culture. They have always viewed sewing as a woman's work. And so it has never been valued. They don't actually understand how complex creating apparel is. So, right. you know, I, I, I think that um, one of the things that we are working on that you and I have been working on uh, for decade now or more is raising awareness of, of actually what goes into what we do. 
Right. And part of that is keeping a catalog of the work that we're doing for our clients. And it's not to be untoward and it's not to be deceivious in any way, but it's rather to fulfill the entire client request of, okay, so you sent your pattern off and you need another copy. Yeah, I can make you another copy and I'm going to charge you for another copy, but I'm so happy that I kept it on file for you right. and I have and, it. And, I, and another reason to, to keep all iterations of the pattern um, is that sometimes, you know, you have a client that is not really sure uh, what they want and they, they guide you through the process, whether it's the iterations that are part of their contract or whether it's an addendum to the contract specifying how much they're paying for iteration or per hour to make the iterations. And they decide that they like C better than H. Uh, if, if one has disposed of the in-work pattern steps, one has to try to remember how to recreate pattern C. So uh, until we have a final mm -hmm. pattern, I keep every single part of what I do. Every change, we don't cut the pattern down. We trace the pattern and then we either cut it down or add to it or redraft it or grade it up or down or change the neckline. Um, and then all of those get stored. Every bit of that gets stored because... A lot, one thing that the end client doesn't realize is that once you utilize that pattern directly to a cut surface, that the potential for what's called pattern loss, which means mm -hmm. you shave a little bit off, happens, and over time, it can be incrementally you know, I... awful for you. And if you are working with a house that does not understand that in its production, and they completely butcher your quote unquote original and there's so much pattern loss on it that it fits differently from the beginning of the production line to the end and you're basic, in big you know, trouble maybe they're only shaving off a 32nd or a 16th in the waist uh 16 cuts in you've lost an inch on both sides so your fit is completely blown you know i i had my my, my famous arsenic and uh black lace dresses those patterns for years i was the only one allowed to cut them because i knew where the pattern loss was and i i would hand cut them and when we got to the waist mm -hmm. which was significantly too small i just cut the line where it should be uh why i didn't retrace them i don't know i'm lazy i guess or or it, it didn't matter i didn't really want anyone cutting lace because they would do weird things with lace patterns that that i you know we didn't have to pattern match the lace but my god make make certain that lace motifs at least match in the back same people this is not hard to do you just fold the fabric over mm -hmm. so um there are reasons that we do what we do there are reasons from what we've learned there and these are this is this is industry standard people the, the, the houses uh, all keep their patterns. The people who are hiring uh, uh, cut and sews, the people who are hiring pattern makers, they know that we all are keeping copies. They anticipate that we should keep copies in case something happens to their copy. We should have the template. Uh, I also tell folks when I give them a pattern, um, hopefully they're using a cutting service like uh, Badass Billy back in Austin, Texas, and, and I tell them to pay. You're going to be offered the chance to put this either on on wood or on plastic. Pay for that. Pay for that, and then get your paper pattern back that I've supplied you, and file it, and don't touch it again. Um, 
unless your your cutter tells you that they need the original again to to use as a marker to make sure that that everything is staying in place. Uh, a hard pattern is hard for to 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 uh, diminish, uh, although it can be diminished as well. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that board can easily be cut into by a a power saw. Yeah, large it can be cut in. I mean, equipment. you know, these are these are cutters, <laughs> folks. That uh, they they look like a little motor on top of a foot of blade with a base, and the person who's cutting actually has to wear a chainsaw glove because it'll take a finger off. And these cutters are capable of cutting 300 layers of fabric. So, you know, when you've got a blade moving that fast, that's that mm -hmm. sharp, it can whittle away the wood slowly. Now, hopefully, when no one's cutting around their wood pattern, that wood pattern or that plastic pattern should be used to create a hand-drawn marker. If a person's not using Gerber or Optitex or something to, uh, to print them on a spreader, um, and, and that should never actually be cut around. That should be traced around, but but people do sometimes cut around them. They get into a hurry and they don't mm -hmm. have time to make the marker. They just need to cut the sleeves over, so they plop it down, and they can be whittled away. Yeah, it's true. And like as another resource, because we like throwing them in here, um, scattered through for our listeners, is in so many communities there are technical labs that have the type of laser machines that will cut um, thin plastic medium that can be used for a more pattern permanent resource if it's something that's in production in your own, or, or production um, house absolutely production I, I, house. I, and you're mm -hmm. so right and, and also you don't have to afford the massive uh, um, uh, printing machine you don't have to to afford that any place that prints blue prints will be glad to print your spread your, uh, your marker. Uh, as long as you've got a digital file, they'll yeah. be glad to print it for you. It's a little more expensive, but but that way you don't have to to put out for the big Epson um, plotter. And plotter is a printer, folks. So coming from the resources I did growing up, uh, have I ever told you what I would make my um, super sturdy patterns out of before I, I had resources so. to do anything? You know the little layers in bacon, um, and it's like this um, thin plastic sheet, and it comes um, in the do. grocery store in your bacon container. Well, I would use those as my hard plastic templates before um, I had ever well, taken well, any pattern classes. Well, you know that's made out of the same stuff because... we make the plastic patterns out of. It's the same stuff. I think it might no, be it, because it's actually, it feels the same. They, they use those sheets of, uh, what, what is the name of that plastic? I don't know. Um, they use those sheets to cut those bacon separators. Absolutely. Same stuff. Comes from the same place. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, that that was my, I, I don't know any better um, before I had factories hack. Of, I need some permanence in this pattern piece. And so there's ways Really, can, can really budget-friendly ways, can, delicious ways to make that reality. Can I throw one of my reality. favorite tips out? So I, yeah, I refuse to buy me. blue dot paper. Um, Megan, tell them what blue dot paper is. I don't know what blue dot paper is. I assume it's some type of um, like a architectural. Okay. It's specific to the fashion paper. industry. Blue dot paper has um, 
blue dots on one side and a measuring grid on the other. And it's for people who are learning to make patterns, but many people continue to use it. it it's a it's a cheat. Oh, so that's blue dot. Yes. Uh, blue dot is stupidly expensive. And I am well past the point of needing a grid <laughs> or inch measurements on my patterns. Uh, I go to Home Depot mm -hmm. and buy red carpenter's paper and I get 150 feet for like 20 bucks. And it's, Oh, that's yeah, what it, I do it, when it, I'm teaching it, classes, and the paper is patterning classes, yeah, and more durable than the blue dot anyway. And of course, then you know I keep massive rolls of of uh, uh, of proper pattern. Um, uh, oh, good oak tag. Yeah, but, well, I keep the oak the tag, hardboard. and I also keep sheets of hardboard. Absolutely, uh, if it's going to go into production mm -hmm. and and everything is good, I I will transfer it to uh, plastic. But um, oak tag is is what most of most of my personal patterns are. I don't need them in plastic. Um, I found the cutest little roll of oak tag at a um, antique store here, and it's only eleven inches wide. But I, immediately I was like, two dollars for wow. oak tag? Nobody knows what this is. I'm taking wow. it. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, you know, people don't know what they have. Um, I love oak tag, and I always get the huge roll. It's it's more expensive as an outlay, but I get the hundred yards and the hundred and fifty yards, and it's seventy two inches, um, because I I do make things that require seventy two inches. Some of my trains, when I was producing table linens for an event company in Texas, I was doing a hundred and forty and a hundred and forty inch circumference tablecloths that were massive. So we we would use uh, two widths of it to make our um, our our uh, circle cut. You know the 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 triangle that we would place on so uh yeah. oak tag is good it's durable it'll it, it'll eventually start to deteriorate that's what tape is for i tend to tape edges um you know if, if it's going to be something i use often doesn't need to be plastic don't want to spend the money on plastic i'll tape the edges which protects them from rips and tears uh yeah i can't believe you found it that cheap that's awesome Especially now the paper's going up so much with the oh, yeah. the pandemic and the and the, I mean I, I recently uh, I have a full roll of of oak tag left, but I thought I would price one for a, a student of mine, and it was like triple what I used to pay. And I'm like, well, going forward, I need to consider the price of the oak tag when I'm selling uh, pattern making and pattern drafting and pattern cutting services. Yeah, it's not it's a gratis thing. thing. I, I don't. I don't bear those costs. So, I uh, you know make a note, Miss 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 Somerville, make a note that we need to do yeah, we'll a do podcast that. on actual product costing, not just for the person who wants to sell a wedding dress, but when somebody is going to bring um, their stuff to production, they should not be shell shocked by the things that actually go into a costing sheet. It's true. And, you know, like, oh, you're not finding those buttons for me and sourcing them at, you know, super duper discount wholesale <laughs> prices. <laughs> like, well, I don't want a million of those buttons. Right, Do you right, want a million right. of those and, 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 you know, I've had people shocked <laughs> when they see that I'm charging them for the square footage, that I'm prorating the square footage where the machine that I'm working for them sits while I'm working on it. That all goes into your, that's all costs that I pay. That is all cost. And, and I, you know, some people don't tell that they're not clear about it, but I am clear about everything down to what portion of the power bill you're paying that day. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess kind of circling back to 
things that seem to be a mystery <laughs> in the romantic world of a designer that that I would be chastised or my name spoken ill of when my goal was to be able to create a predictable resource for my clients to come back to to be able to have their work be there well, you when know, they needed it, it's, it there. It, it's it's that is the the purview and the 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 tool that people who want to know more than they know use when they denigrate somebody else's choices or work this is only done to make the person denigrating the other uh, uh, person's work or tools or or process to make them seem like they are better or know more and generally there is some asshole like me in the room who will shut them down um or, <laughs> or be or, that or, person or, well, or... <laughs> I, you know I, I honestly i will i will tell you uh and this is i think this is also true of you uh, as evidenced by the fact that you wouldn't address this i know that this uh since uh last week's podcast that you spent a week actually researching uh what the responsibility of the pattern maker is so that you could come on here today and speak with authority. And I don't tend to, if I'm in a room with other manufacturers, I don't tend to speak unless I actually know what I'm talking about, that I have empirical evidence, that I can quote sources, uh, that I have seen it done this way. I don't care to be the smartest person in the room, even though I most often am. It's not my fault. I, I just happen to have 40 years in this business. And, um, you know, I'm a pretty smart cookie before the brain damage. So I, I don't, I don't speak to make people think that I know more than them. I just, I don't want people to make mistakes. I don't want people to make costly mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, and young apparel designers yeah. and young uh, companies who are sometimes just party promoters or uh, accountants who think that they have an idea that no one's ever had talk about ego and hubris um, when they don't know the, the industry, they really do need guidance to keep them from making expensive mistakes. I, I mean, we both know that the company that we were building, they would follow the directions of the client even when they knew that it wouldn't work so that they could charge them to fix it. I just, I just prefer yeah, not to let people yeah. make mistakes. And then, you know, what, also once I've given, once I've given my, uh, and it's the same for you, once I've given them wisdom, if they decide to do it the wrong way, they sign off on that. You have to sign off on that choice. So when it doesn't work and I need to do it the way I, I, I um, you know, I sort of try to guide you to do it, you're going to pay for that now. You've got to pay for your fixes if you make bad choices. So all of the magical thinking is, is for people like you and I, is a bit crazy making. You know, I, how many people have asked you for your resources? Oh, my, when I, I was running textiles, it, you, my jaw used to drop when, when, when designers, uh, or apparel companies would come in and ask me where they could buy it wholesale. I'm like, well, we can sell it to you wholesale. Uh, it's coming right from the, the the fabric supplier to us. There's not a lot of hands that have touched this. I can I can give you a wholesale price, but you've got to buy in bulk. If you want to meet those wholesale uh, cuts, and a cut is uh, where the price breaks or the wholesale break, you've got to meet those. You can't have it wholesale for 10 yards. I can give you a small percentage off for a bulk uh, retail rate, but uh, if you want me to wholesale it to, and they would, no, no, who, who, who do you get it from? And I would just look at them like, are you fucking serious? 
are you fucking serious? Right. And, and like, there's people out there that are a middleman or a jobber, if you will, to manufacturing houses that are programmed right, right. fabric houses. And you can probably get smaller quantities from those people, but it's not going to be, you're not going to have the curation of somebody who has a relationship with vendors that are going to be in LA or in New York that you would get from somebody like you. Um, if somebody's looking for something really, really stand out for their collections. And so I think a lot, know, of, a a lot of jobbers in, and a lot of um, re resellers will tell you it's program or inline when it is apps. It, it was, mm -hmm. but even program inline fabric eventually <laughs> stops when, when the mood and the taste of the country change. Um, so they will lie and say that they can get it because they know they can get something similar, but discerning customers, like, like let's say you're doing something for uh, a major corporation's uniform tops at all of their retail outlets, and the fabric changes only 10%, uh, a discerning eye is going to notice the difference, and then there's going to be a problem. So uh, it, it makes sense to get your, your pattern work done by people who understand the industry. Uh, it makes sense to get your samples made by people who understand the difference between a first sample slash prototype sample and a sales sample. It makes sense to have your sourcing done by somebody who will actually get you the best price and go as close as possible to the source to keep too many hands from touching it, adding their quarter a yard. Um, and, and, and that is just how the industry works. Those relationships are going to be important to you. When, when somebody asks Megan where she gets her this or that, or somebody asks me, where, well, can you give me the number so I can call and get my own? You are burning a bridge that you don't need to burn. And, you know, it's, and it's not just that we're not willing to share that information. It's that we're willing to talk to you about what your project is and whether that's even the right resource. And so just get this attitude of gimme, gimme, gimme what you know um, is really kind of, um, I don't know. It's just really very forward. Um, and, and I'm not a, a person of very many, um, you know, kind of, niceties or southern rules in my house or anything like that and um i don't i don't understand you know why something that took me years to be able to even make that connection should just be handed absolutely. over absolutely you know um, I, I i will tell you but i it, won't share resources um with just anybody I, there are there are there are people in the industry industry partners that i will certainly share resources with my parents used to go crazy because mm -hmm. we would tell people where we were going to get fabric. We're going to LA. And I said, honey, they, number one, by the time they pay for the round trip ticket or, or rent their trucks the way we do and get back, they will not have saved money buying what they need from us. And they can go to the same place mm -hmm. that I'm buying this from, and they will get charged an incredibly different rate. They will be shocked that my retail price is very often less than the price that they would pay in LA. And it's because I have built the relationships over 30 years. Um, and and uh, yeah. I, I got to the point where I, I tell people, I will sell you. I will sell you a connection. I will sell you a contact. Mm -hmm. 
I will absolutely sell you a contact. If you're ready to, if you think you're ready to call them, I will sell it to you. And they're shocked that like I won a thousand dollars. And I'm like, I spent years building that contact. You, you might call them and, and, yeah. and stupidly tell them that I give you their number and they're never going to talk to me again. You have to pay me for that risk and for that. Well, and so much of that part of the industry has been hush-hush because fabric companies have been afraid that other fabric oh. companies would steal either their knit design or their print that they're doing. And so even they are hush-hush. And I think we touched on it before about the elastic during the pandemic when I reached out to several of my elastic wholesale contacts and they're like, please leave us alone. Please do do not do that. You do that and you can yeah, forget no, about absolutely, You're absolutely us. right. And, and uh um, you know, when I, my, my, my textile trade partners, these are people who are ordering millions of yards of things and selling millions of yards of things. The textile portion of the apparel industry is one of, it's probably fully a third of the money. Okay. Um, they do not have the time for some idiot from Texas or Detroit or Denver who doesn't understand the language, doesn't know what they're asking for, doesn't have a sales rep, doesn't have the right number, uh, federal number to even buy wholesale. They don't have the time to answer the phone. So I, you know, I, I, I would, I, I teach a, a sourcing a course to my students when I'm teaching textiles at university, and one of the things that we do is I have them make cold calls to wholesalers. And I warn them ahead of time, like, if you don't, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the things that I've told you to get them to talk to you on the phone, they're going to leave you in tears. And every class, I would have a person or two just in tears by, because they were taught, what, why the fuck are you bothering? I, I, I told you, you have to talk intelligently. You have to speak the language. So, uh, you know, there, there's a, Wolf what forums am I, well, right, right, absolutely. That. You, you call, <laughs> and we're starting them in LA. I'm not even giving them New York numbers. Where, where they'll threaten your life if you call and ask a stupid question, right? Wolves, you know, don't, well, those people were, in, right, right. and they were in Jersey, and they were crazy to talk to. You got a sales rep? Uh, yes, actually, I do. Okay. Um, you better have a sales rep and not lie, because they know where the hell you're calling from now, and they may send Vinny. Um, although Wolf was out, and I'm not trying to insinuate that they were an organized crime at all. <laughs> Sorry, Wolf. Um no sir <laughs> no sir uh, totally totally uh, and actually they were very sweet people i hated to see them go out that was that was heartbreaking to me um but there there is a there is a method of doing this there is a reason to pay someone like me a dollar a yard to broker the best deal for you there's a reason to pay someone like megan uh to make a copy of the pattern knowing that your pattern is safely stowed i keep everything for at least 10 years and and, and some of it some of it's actually rolled i have a huge like refrigerator size boxes that are rolled with patterns that are dated and, and carefully categorized. Even after all the moves I make, I have patterns all the way back to the 80s uh, because, I, you know, when the 80s are back, I, I just have to open a box. I'm ready. Well, strangely, I've been cleaning in my studio and um, getting rid of some patterns that have reached that 10-year mark and putting them through the shredder and... Um, and, and and even though I have dogs currently, um, I did get rid of my very first uh, company project, which was making dog oh t-shirts. And 
Um, you know, it was kind of bittersweet, but at the same time, I'm like, when am I gonna make a dog T-shirt for Colorado? It's like a dog and, jacket and, or fucking nothing. Quite frankly, if you wanted to go into dog T-shirts again, you're so much better than you were ten years ago that you could just whip that out of your butt. It, yeah, it would be really easy, and I probably right. would do you, the pattern. I, I, that's what I'm saying. You have you know, ten after... years more experience. You'd probably improve the pattern. Mm-hmm. Not that I think people should be mm-hmm. dressing their dogs in T-shirts. But... You know, all those, all, all of those dog patterns are gone. Uh-oh. Everybody, <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> and when we're done with this, remind me to tell you about the, the pink tragedy that I am looking at on my phone. Okay, oh, I, I was. We don't want them to think that we're shady <laughs> at all. Uh, we're not shady. We're just a little salty sometimes. Uh, well, I mean the. Uh, I love it when a fashion show has models come and flood out in the audience. And then that way you, you can grab the hems of skirts right. and look at them. Uh, <laughs> well, no, uh, well, nobody's really like kind of inspect I seams and that oh, that is a clothespin. I am that whore. Even. I am look. I mean, you see it all the time. I now at least ask permission. May I look inside? But you, you've seen me. I, the, the first time you showed me stuff, I flipped it and looked at the seams. Well, why do we do that? Is that mm-hmm. because we're just assholes? I mean, we've determined that I am sometimes an asshole, but I, that's not an asshole move. I need to know if you've got something that's marketable. If I'm looking at you to have you uh, sell for me, I need to know that you know what the fuck you're doing. And I also like pretty scenes. For me, for me, it's like, okay, is this worth buying right. if it's something that don't I'm looking at, at for my when kids? You or, of course. And if you oh, don't, yeah, you're a moron. Absolutely. And like, it's one of the, you know, it's like how my brain processes, okay, well, this is going to wear this way. And it already has this expectation for a certain um, seam composition and structure. Wow. Okay. You have a text. I had to, I had to. (laughs) It's coming through. Oh, I only have your word tragedy yet. It's. Because um, I'm in the yeah, oh as you know, I make god that person gowns, uh, and, and that person is trying to do what I do. <gasps> At first, really? I thought that, that like perhaps they had rolled in bubble gum. <laughs> you have wow. shades. You have shades of fresh, you know? and walked on bubble gum, and then I got in close, and I was like, oh, I bet there was glue used on that. Oh no! Although no, but judging from the pinches where they're affixed, this is not glue. So there's no excuse. Anyway, um, we're about ready to wrap up. Have you said everything that you'd like to say, other than "fuck off" to the person that I'm talking about, and you know who they are? I know who they are, and I, you know, I'm. I just I'm shaking my head once again. You'll feel better if you tell them to fuck off. But like, if it ain't your business, you'll feel better. Fuck off. You'll feel better. <laughs> and and I think that trashing my name in a public forum when um you ought to have known better, um when I let you um have your kid in my factory. So here's uh, what I want to tell you: I was sitting in a room with other professionals, including somebody who used to be one of the managing partners at um, Levi and everyone that knew the industry who were actually there because they actually knew what the fuck they were doing 
looked at that individual you could see on their face that they couldn't believe what they were hearing and you could see all of them making a mental note there's a reason that person had to move out of state they did it to themselves but with that very act in a room full of uh people that were beyond her peers well, and it's like a different kind of hubris, right? It's like a different, like, I I would rather shut you down so that the, they'll look at me, even though you're doing it the wrong way, um, than try to uplift everybody. And that's... Well, you know... It's like fuck off. Do you remember when I said that relationships <laughs> are one of the most important part of our actual industry, that those relationships are a form of currency? Mm-hmm. You don't shit talk people that you might have to one day work with or for or whom from whom you might need something one day because we all have there, there's a gentleman here in Detroit that uh, well he, he he made a big mistake with me during the early days of the pandemic that I will never never I if he were on fire I would only piss on him if I could piss gas because he 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 fucked me bad um, I called in multiple chips to get something that he needed and then he got yeah. it from somebody else uh, and paid more than I would have uh, charged yeah, him. So what... uh, those relationships are important and you'll notice that Megan and I are very careful not to say names and that's not necessarily because we're afraid of getting sued, although there is that. Um, but it's because we, even when we don't like something that a person's done, we're not going to um spit acid and spew acid and drive their name into the ground. That doesn't speak highly of our character. We're only talking about things that people have done without naming them because we want you to understand that there are situations in the magical thinking, romantic mystery world of fashion that most of you are living in that are just not tenable, that are just not okay. Would you agree with that statement? And you'll be... Yeah, and you'll be trash-talked in back rooms that you're not invited to. And it will have nothing to do with who you are. Of course, no one has anything bad to say about me. Except for apparently one young lady in Texas who thinks I'm an asshole. Yeah, she's she the only one. Oh, no, no, no. Join us next week. Actually, she's not. You know what? I am a self-professed asshole. I I know I can be an asshole, Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this on my behalf, unless I'm on... tremendous amounts of steroids which doesn't happen anymore when i'm an asshole you've given me a reason to be an asshole to you i just don't care about being liked um i don't care about being liked somebody in austin uh wrote wrote me one night on facebook and my person crawled up into my messenger and, and said wasn't i worried about not being you know that so many people didn't like me and i said being liked is not my goal and and they could not understand that i said being liked has never been my goal in life If I was concerned with whether or not people liked me, that would mean that I was curating and editing every fucking step I take. And I won't do that. I want to be, I want to be as authentic as possible. And if I'm authentic, then there are going to be people that hate me and there are going to be people that love me. And that is why we are the, say it, Megan. That's why we're two of America's most loved and hated. And on that note, let's say goodbye to our people. What are we going to talk about next week? Let's let's set them up. Uh, for, uh, let's leave them wanting Ooh. more cliffhanger. I know, right? So next week we um, had on our slate um, to start the discussion about um, 
being a fat designer. Okay. And let's, I want let's to qualify that before um, every large curvy person in America writes us. We're not talking right, about being okay. a designer for large people. We are talking about being designers in a thin obsessed uh, industry who are large people. Yes. I weigh 202 pounds this morning. Um, and I normally wear size 16, 14, kind of depends on how it's cut. Um, that's not my bag. I could tell you my bra size. Well, it's you've whatever. always had an amazing um, But being a plus-sized person um, or being a soul, having an experience in a plus-size body, this is a really messed up field. <laughs> and so that's what yes, we're going to talk about next week. Uh, I've really had a good time talking about this today, and I'm glad that we touched on some of these important issues. Uh, as always, I hope that pe people are finding this uh, at least interesting enough to make it through the whole 50 minutes of. And I hope that you're learning things as you go. Once again, we're going to reiterate, as we do at the end of every podcast, that if you have any questions or comments or subjects that you'd like us to talk about, please reach out to us through our website. There is a very obvious blue message us balloon on your phone, and I believe it's the same on your laptop. Uh, our website is www.advancedfashiondisruption.com. Our podcasts are also now available on Amazon Music and Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're hoping to add um, to those lists to those lists of places that people can listen to because we want it to be easy for everybody to access this information. Excellent. And and of course you can always listen right through our, our URL. Our our URL does uh yep, host right from website. the RSS feed directly. Megan, uh, thank you for your kindness and your insight. I I'm gonna finish by saying you really would feel better if you told them to fuck off. Uh, there you go. Right. <laughs> Darling, I love you hard and I'm looking forward to our Friday chat um, and our Monday chat we, we, mm -hmm. we're going to be having chats twice a week just the phone call version of this uh, without a, a, a specific subject sort of the subject of the day um, while we build our content so I'll talk to you soon and I'll yeah. probably talk to you later because we need, we need to dish about that that monstrosity I just sent you it's true. And um, don't forget to hang up through your computer and not oh, your actual phone. <laughs> you know, I literally was just grabbing my phone. I am an old man. I still am confused sometimes that I can't just set it face down and have it hang up. Thanks so much for giving our third episode a listen today. This has been Advanced Fashion Disruption, and you can find all of our episodes at advancedfashiondisruption.com. As always, we'd like to plug our Ukrainian designer friends at angelforfashion.com. Please buy Ukrainian fashion. And if you have stories about OPP, other people's projects, we'd love for you to share them with us. We're taking appointments now for established and new designers to join us on our Phone a Fashion Friend Friday. We hope you have a good day. Thanks again.